The Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he sat at the entrance of his tent in the day's heat. He looked up and suddenly saw three men standing near him. As soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent entrance to greet them and bowed deeply. He said, sirs, if you would be so kind, don't just pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought so you may wash your feet and refresh yourselves under the tree. Let me offer you a little bread so you will feel stronger. And after that, you may leave your servant and go on your way since you have visited your servant. They responded, fine, do just as you have said. So Abraham hurried to Sarah in his tent and said, hurry, need three seas of the finest flour and make some baked goods. Abraham ran to the cattle, took a healthy young calf and gave it to a young servant who prepared it quickly. Then Abraham took butter, milk, and the calf that had been prepared, put the food in front of them, and stood under the tree near them as they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, Right here in the tent. Then one of the men said, I will definitely return to you about this time next year. Then your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were both very old. Sarah was no longer menstruating. So Sarah laughed to herself, thinking, I'm no longer able to have children, and my husband's old. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Me give birth at my age? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? When I return to you about this time next year, Sarah will have a son. Sarah lied and said, I didn't laugh because she was frightened. But he said, no, you laughed. Genesis 21, beginning in verse 1. The Lord was attentive to Sarah, just as he had said, and the Lord carried out just what he had promised her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham when he was old, the very time God had told him. Abraham named his son, the one Sarah bore him, Isaac. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, just as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has given me laughter. Everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. She said, who could have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse sons? But now I've given birth to a son when he was old. Will you pray with me? Loving God, I thank you for the good stories in Scripture. I thank you for this story, and I pray that as we spend some time with it this morning, that you will reveal a word to us. I pray that you would be with us and open our hearts and minds for what you have for us, and I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts would be Pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. So, in the last few years, I've become a pretty big time fan of stand up comedy. And I'm not alone. Comedy's kind of having a comeback right now. The big heyday for stand up comedy is said to be in the 80s. And now there's kind of a comedy revival going on. Anyone else a fan of comedy? Stand-up comedy? Yeah. There's some really good stuff out there right now. And it may be because I've heard this said many times that, that 
comedians, stand-up comedians, are, are, in a sense, our modern-day preachers. And I love, I love how they can craft uh, bits and jokes and put that all together. I also listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and interviews with comedians. Like I said, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to comedy. And I'm really into it. And one thing that you will hear a lot of comedians say, I've heard many comedians say that the very best laughs those in circumstances where you're not supposed to laugh. The forbidden laugh, right? The one that I call, and I'll censor my language a little bit here, uh, the laugh at the boisterous passing of gas at a funeral, right? That kind, of, that kind of laugh where you're really not supposed to laugh, you're trying to stifle it, but it's just too doggone funny and you can't help it. It's also why Comedians say that when they get together, there's sort of this code among comedians that when they're just hanging out and they're riffing back and forth, anything goes. Nothing's off limits. The things that normally would be found offensive, the things that normally if they said during a routine would get tweeted out and they would get canceled, those things, when, this, when they're in the safe space of being with one another... They let it rip. They let it fly. Nothing's off limits because there's an understanding that those things that we're not supposed to laugh at sometimes are the very best laughs, the deepest and truest laughs. Christopher Fry has defined comedy as an escape, not from truth, but from despair. A narrow escape into Faith. I'm going to say that again. I like that. Christopher Fry says that comedy is an escape not from truth, but from despair. A narrow escape into faith. So what compels me about our story for this morning is not the hospitality that is traditionally talked about when Abraham uh, hosts what we can see as a symbol for the Holy Trinity, these three men who show up, and he provides hospitality. There are, there's a couple of laughs in there, like the, the point where Abraham says, let me just get you a little bit of water and a little bit of bread, and then he just piles it on like crazy. I think that's sort of funny, but I don't want to talk about that. That part isn't as interesting to me as this moment. What compels me about this story What moves me is Sarah's laughter. Sarah's laughter. So I want to say a few things, just a few things about that this morning. First of all, Sarah's laughing totally makes sense. I get it. I get why she would laugh. I think we can all say, yeah, that that makes sense. I might laugh in the face of God if I were told something like this. I, I almost titled this sermon Laughing in the Face of God because that's sort of what Sarah does, but, but she kind of can't help it. As the text says, she's well past the age of childbirth. And in other versions, as you read them, they're very they're careful about the way they say it, but not only do they say that she's past the age of bearing children, but it even suggests that Abraham is past his prime in that department as well, if you know what I mean. And Sarah laughs and says, am am I to know 
this experience again that clearly Abraham and I haven't had for a very, very long time. Are you kidding me? It makes sense that she would laugh at this. I imagine I, it's sort of like if somebody came up to me right now, somebody maybe of divine nature, and said to me, you, Andy, are going to run a three-hour marathon next week. <laughs> and I would say to that person, as I laughed in their face, you are crazy. You've got to be kidding me. Maybe 20 years ago and 30 pounds ago, I might have thought about being able to do that. But I'm long past my running prime, and especially long past any chance of running a three-hour marathon. Of course I would laugh. It's crazy. It's truly laughable. And so is Sarah's circumstance. And so she laughs at the absurdity of it. But I think there's also a laugh. That same laugh is covering some pain as well. It's not just that she's past the age of bearing children, but she hasn't known Abraham in that particular way for a while. And if you read the whole of the story, you can see that there's actually been sort of a breakdown in their relationship. They've been waiting for so long for, for this gift of children, for her to be able to, to conceive that she makes the decision to give Abraham that her handmaiden, Hagar. She becomes pregnant and has a child. Bad move. Not the best choice, right? Breakdown in the relationship there. Also, we read in between this particular incident in the beginning in, in chapter 21, for the second time, Abraham will try to pass off his, his wife as his sister to avoid serious trouble, to avoid assault. So he, he doesn't even claim her as his own or defend her. He's sort of sneaky about it. Underneath this just laugh of the absurdity, I think is a laugh that, that comes as a response to pain and disappointment. I had that kind of laugh this week when Jules called me and said, hey, guess what? We didn't get it. We didn't get this housing bond money. And I think she'll tell you. I was like, <laughs> you're joking, right? And then it was, you've got to be kidding me because I was covering some anger and some pain in that laugh. So Sarah's laugh totally makes sense to me. And at the same time, this is the second thing that I'll say about Sarah's laughing. Her laugh indicates a personal connection with God. Here's what I mean by that. Jules and I were talking uh, at our usual Thursday meeting, and we were talking about, she pointed out to me, she's like, you know, laughter is more often than not a communal experience, right? Uh, we, we, there's no doubt that we laugh when we're by ourselves, but something prompts that laughter. And, let, and if, even if we just recall by ourselves something that prompted laughter, right, we're laughing at something else. But usually it happens in the course of, of being together. And it's an indicator of togetherness, of being on the same page. It's why it's infectious if you're ever in a comedy club, and you hear the comedian and everybody laughs because everybody gets it. There's something to an agreement among people in a crowd in an audience who all decide that the same thing is funny. At the same time, it's why it also is so lousy when you're the one who isn't in on the joke. When you're the one who 
doesn't get it. And maybe you've had that experience where you've been with a group of people and somebody says something and maybe it's an inside joke and the other people there in that group laugh and you're sitting there going, what? What? I don't get it. And then there's maybe an awkward moment where they explain the joke to you or maybe they're like, oh, I guess you just had to be there, which just makes you feel worse. And you actually want to escape, at least for me, I find that there's usually some sort of awkward escape. I want to get out of that situation. Nobody likes not being in on the joke. Nobody likes the feeling of not getting it. It's frustrating. We want to laugh with folks because we desire that kind of connection and mutual agreement that something is funny. In this case, the one with whom Sarah has that kind of connection is God. She has this connection about this thing that is funny with God. But it doesn't seem like it at first, does it? It doesn't seem like God gets it at all. There's a moment in the story where we're not sure if God's in on the joke. And he might also not really like the joke very much. It's a beautiful moment of tension that we read in verses 13 through 15 of chapter 18. When God asks Abraham, why did Sarah laugh when you told her? When I told you, I'm sorry, when I told you about her having a son, why? Why? And then Sarah, who thought her laughter was in this private moment, but turns out, well, God, right, gets to hear her. And it's indeed laughed in the face of God in this moment. She gets scared, and who wouldn't get scared? It's the moment of getting busted, either passing the gas at the funeral or laughing at it, right? It's that moment of wanting to escape. Or if you're pulling a prank on the teacher in class and you get in trouble for it, I have stories, both from being a teacher and pulling the pranks. Any of the other inappropriate laughs that we can think of. So she lies. So she lies and tells God, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. And the whole passage culminates with what I think is sort of a cliffhanger at the end of this text from chapter 18. God basically says, oh, yes, you did. You did laugh. And this is the last thing that we read. It's like, oh, snap. What is God going to do now? Sarah is going to get it. She's going to be in trouble. At least... That's the way I read this story for years. When I read about God's reaction, I always thought Sarah was in trouble. The crazy thing is we're left hanging because the next couple of chapters in Genesis take a detour and they tell us some other stories. And it isn't until chapter 21 that we learn that not only is Sarah safe to laugh at God, but God is indeed in on the joke. And that brings me to the last thing, the third point that I have for this morning. And that is this. It's okay to laugh at God. Because ultimately, you are laughing with God. At the beginning of chapter 21, we learned that God does what God promised. And Sarah does indeed become pregnant in her old age. The story tells us that Abraham names the child Isaac. But here's the thing. 
There's all kinds of layers of patriarchy on top of this particular text if you read it closely. And you see that the child was born to Abraham, and Abraham did this, and Abraham does all the speaking, and he does the ceremony, and he circumcises him. But I don't think that Abraham was alone in this. I don't think it's just Abraham who came up with this name for Isaac, and here's why. The name Isaac in Hebrew means laughter. It means laughter. I'm sorry. And, and you, you could say that I'm, I'm, I'm putting things on this text if you want, but I can't help but think that Sarah had a little something to do with naming this kiddo. Amen? Just a little. Sarah laughs again in this, this passage from chapter 21, but the, the tone of her laughter is different. This time she laughs again at the absurdity of the situation. Yes, this is crazy. It really happened. But also out of joy at God's goodness and faithfulness. She says, God has given me laughter. And anyone who hears about this will laugh with me. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say God laughs with her as well. I believe that. You see, I used to think when God says, oh, yes, you did laugh, that he says, he says it with a furrowing brow and with a threatening tone. Oh, yeah, you did laugh. I heard you, right? But I actually think that, that he says that with more of a knowing wink and a little bit of a smirk. Yeah, you did laugh. You did. I, I heard you. I heard you laugh. Almost as if to say, yeah, you did laugh, Sarah. And come to think of it, I can't really blame you. Now, if you can't go there with me, if you think that I might be guilty of some serious eisegesis and theological psychologizing, if you think that's the case, then perhaps we can at least agree that somewhere between the end of Genesis 18 and the beginning of Genesis 21, God gets the joke. Because he gives Sarah laughter. And she rejoices that God gets it, shares in the joy of that laughter, and proclaims that others will do so as well. And that's the good news that I take from the text from this morning. Is that it's okay to laugh at God. Now I'll be honest with you, I wasn't taught that growing up. I grew up, as many of you know, in pretty conservative, uh, fundamentalist, evangelical church. And the idea of laughing at God? No. We don't laugh at God. God is holy and is to be revered. You don't mess with God. You certainly don't laugh at God. But you also don't use God's name in vain. You don't do anything sacrilegious. You've got to be really careful when you're talking about God. Is what I was taught. God doesn't, doesn't laugh at the things that we laugh at. And you could face punishment. After all, that's the tone that I was taught this story, is when God says, oh, yes, you did laugh, that God truly means, and 
that's going to cost you. But here's the thing. At least in this story, God does get it. God doesn't punish her. He doesn't do anything about the fact that she laughed. And God doesn't punish us when we laugh through our pain for our, our incredulousness. God can and does take it. I'm going to tell you what, for me, that's good to know. For me, that's really good news this morning because those of you who know what I and my family and our church have been through in the last few weeks know that I've had quite a few opportunities to laugh because of and despite my own pain and disappointment. I've had a few opportunities to do that lately. I've had opportunities to laugh in the face of God and say, you have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And I still hope and I trust that eventually the tone of my laughter will be more like Sarah's in chapter 21 than it is in chapter 18. That I will laugh with joy at the absurdity of God's goodness and faithfulness. In the meantime, I trust that God is with me and with all of us in the other kind of laughter, the Genesis 18 kind of laughter. And even if God doesn't think it's funny, God doesn't get offended. And God sticks around anyway. Will you pray with me? Holy One, I thank you for your, your grace. Your grace toward us when we laugh in your face. That you show us mercy, that you show us love, that you are faithful to us that we don't have to worry about being punished. And perhaps, God, you do get it. There are many other places in Scripture, many other parts of this big story where we can point to and say, yeah, God does get it. God, I pray that you would continue to encourage us by way of your Spirit to be vulnerable, to be free, to laugh at the absurdity of some of our circumstances and also laugh with joy, abundant joy, when we see that you are indeed faithful, that you are good to us, that you provide just the way you said you would or in ways that we can't even imagine. Thank you for your always being present with us always, oh God. I pray all of this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to take just a few moments now and share with one another the peace of Christ. Greet one another saying, the peace of Christ be with you and respond and also with you. Let's take a few moments to share the peace of Christ and we will call you back by singing Spirit of the Living God. Greet one another with the peace of Christ.